Tonight, beat. This is M.L. Elrin. I cover the night beat. For the soul of Detroit. You know, stories start out in many different ways. Tonight's story started when I walked into a nice little guy's private world and it blew up right in my face. You asked me to rock your questions out of my too. face. Get your finger out of my face. Yes, take the first shot, then if you want to count. Get counsel, your finger out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Elric? Hello, my good friends. It's your old pal, ML Elric, back with the soul of Detroit. I'm joined by Mark Fellhauer, who is uh, trying to keep us on track this week, which should be a little easier because I am not joined by Sean Windsor. Um, he is not here. He did not say why he couldn't make it, but let's just say, uh, that little pill may have lasted more than four hours. So we're going to let him get the treatment. Thoughts and prayers. uh, Yes. We hope that he's able to, uh, he's able to recover. And, uh, we have a special guest this week. Uh, my rival, my friend, um, one of my best friends, Darcy McConnell, a former reporter for the Detroit news now runs her own communications company so darcy thanks for joining us today glad to be here mike thanks for having me and we're gonna we're gonna get darcy dialed in in just a minute i wanted to also thank northwestern tech who is our facebook live sponsor northwestern tech uh thank you so much for signing on to the soul of detroit they are the heating and cooling school in southfield and hvac is all they teach the program is only 10 and a half months now i say only because what you learn in those 10 and a half months is pretty impressive You take classes on air conditioning, electrical, heating, troubleshooting, heat pumps, refrigeration, hydronic, not hydroponic, hydronic heating (laughs) systems, installation, career development, and property maintenance. This is a big deal because one of the things when I think about this, I think, why the hell did I spend five years in college instead of learning how to do these things, starting my own business, at least fixing up my old house without having to find contracts and having to go to Emily's list without having to go to all these rating services. And, and the thing about this is 50% of the training is hands-on. Last year, over 90% of their graduates got jobs in the field. Anybody who looked for a job in journalism realizes that a 90% placement, placement rate is pretty impressive. And what I think about these trades, these skilled tradesmen and women, is these are jobs that are not going to become obsolete. You yep. cannot get some kid in China to fix your toilet. You cannot get some Chinese prisoner to work for 50 cents. You're not going to get a robot to come to your house and That's fix right. your plumbing either. Yeah, these are jobs that are going to stay here in America that we need done. And as someone who owns a property, mm. believe me, when you know somebody can do these things, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty handy. So if you know someone who is trying to choose their career path, or if you're looking to get out of your dead-end job and learn a skilled trade, check out Northwestern Tech at northwesterntech.edu. The next class starts on March 2nd. If you miss that, I mean, come on, you got time. But there's a new class starting every two weeks, so check them out. We really appreciate them supporting the show. And we're going to get back to the show. Um, 
couple updates. I wanted to, uh, to let you know how things went at Clark Park, uh, not just because it's a great cause and because we helped a lot of kids in Did Southwest you win? Detroit. That's the most important part. Did your team win? But mainly I want to let you know because we won. Mike Ratai <laughs> was not available. That's why you won. So the wrecking crew from Downriver did not come and put a beating on the East Side All-Stars this year. Uh, we did win. We were down 4-1. to one. Hans Breeden, who is a uh, consultant in Gross Point, was kind enough to put together a team for us to play. A great team. They were up four to one. We rallied and won five to four with hey. a wraparound goal with only a few minutes left. So that was a tremendous night. We raised a lot of money for the Clark Park Coalition, which maintains the park, which has year round programs for the kids in Southwest Detroit. And this year, a kid who I met when I first started hanging out at Clark Park, who was just a rink rat, Sergio, played in the game. He was hanging around. We needed a player. I said, Serge, do you have your gear? He said, I can get it. He got out there. He played in the game. So that was a really... How old is this kid? Maybe 16. This was a really, really special event this year. You can go to patronicity.com and make a donation and learn a little bit more about Clark Park. So please... We would love to have your help there. It's a great cause. The kids are tremendous, and uh, we need to keep that good work going because, really, when we talk about the soul of Detroit, Clark Park epitomizes what's going to save Detroit. The city wanted to close this place down 30 years ago. The neighborhood came together and said, we are going to maintain this place. So basically have Mexican guys and black guys running a hockey rink. I mean, that's kind of crazy. That's not what you think about, but that's why we need to change the thinking because... People value things, people change things, and the neighborhood came together to say, the city should be doing this, they won't, but we are going to do it because the salvation of Detroit will be the people of Detroit. I want to slip in a quick update as well. Um, As you know, we have a couple of houses in East Lansing. We're trying to rent the upstairs. We have been struggling to find the right tenant, and finally... That's right, you're a slumlord now. Well, I'm trying... Now that you're underemployed. Thanks to those guys at Northwestern Tech, they will not be slums much longer. Um, We finally found somebody we liked for the upstairs unit, a couple of uh, very uh, impressive, attractive young women who were looking forward to moving in. They were even going to bring a pet with them, which means we get an extra 25 bucks a month. So that was great. And then we did the background check and found out that one of them had not been completely truthful Uh in their disclosures. So... I well, was liars never make yes. money to pay rent. So I was like, well, they're or hold office. They seem nice. They they're kind of cute. They say they can pay the bills. We're not paying the bills. This is exactly what we need. So my wife, who was doing the background check, sent a note and said, "Hey, uh, we need to talk to you. Something came up." And immediately she gets a text message back from one of the young women who says, "Okay, uh, I should have told you this in the first place. I'm really sorry." But um, I'm not a registered nurse. I'm really a stripper. Oh, really? So she may have a nurse's oh, man, outfit. That, isn't that a, <laughs> isn't that a but, shame that she couldn't be honest from the outset? Because there's such a stigma. Well, so my wife tells me this, and I'm just like, and what's the problem? And you said, nice. Yeah. And she said, no, they're out. So uh, Really? Nice. Yeah. So, so bad news uh, in East Lansing. But I was like, wow, it was working out so nicely. And then. Wait. Why are they out? Because my wife is. Oh, the, she's the slumlord. She's the yeah. Me, I'm I'm welcome everybody. I'm Big Ten. I'm like, come on. I don't. Know. I said we and we have a we have kind of a high ceiling in the living room, so we could have put a brass pole in there. But I guess um, 
Oh, man, that stinks. I guess we won't do that. So so my wife is kind of judgmental, but you know who's not? Who? My good friends at Zot Ford and Holly. Wow. They know They would this... sell a car to a dancer any day. Absolutely, even if, even if she had to make the down payment in singles. And, and, <laughs> hey, uh, money's money. Go buy and lease your next vehicle from Zot Ford to support ML Soul of Detroit. That's a new concept that they've endorsed, that they are promulgating, that they hope that you will embrace as well. And, and so do we, because without our sponsors, we don't have a show. Because I would make no money as a stripper. Um, and, uh, and, you know, this show, this is not charity work. We're trying to turn a buck. What you need to know is that giving customers world-class service while making the entire process simple, fast, fun, and easy isn't a new concept to Zot Ford. They've been doing it for almost two decades. We would genuinely appreciate if you're in the market for a new whip. Give my friends at Zot a shot. They promise they will not disappoint. Plus, they have the lowest prices, period, exclamation point. And it's all in capital letters, so it must be true. For example, right now, you can lease a 2020 Ford Fusion, Ford EcoSport, and Ford F-150. Your choice, all for around 100 bucks a month. Damn. That's right. Your choice of three brand new Ford cars, trucks, or SUVs, all around 100 bucks a month. Plus, Zot Ford is your turn-in headquarters, your lease turn-in headquarters. Any make, any model, over miles, body damage, payments remaining, no problem at Zot. They'll get you into a new ride for the new year. Check out their sensational deals and massive inventory at dealsinthed.com. Most importantly, tell them when you call them <laughs> that ML Soul of Detroit sent you. Good dealership. A yes. lot of good people up there, they, too. They are very generous supporters of this show, which is great. So one more update, and we're going to get Darcy if she hasn't gotten fed up and left yet. I know, man. The whole show's going to be all updates. Are you still over there, Darcy? Still awake? Hello? Has he put, has he put you to sleep? <laughs> She's like, as a communication specialist, I would have told you to shut up five minutes ago. But uh, this is my show. Short and sweet. So I, f- I feel like uh, Jimmy Fallon on Saturday Night Live. This is, give me, this is my show. What, uh, what's the other update? Uh, the uh, job. Oh, the, that's right. Yes. Uh, we did talk about this. I blame Sean. He's trying to throw I me under the bus. Your resume is ready. It's an ML Elric employment update. But he doesn't work. I mean, he loves it. On the soul of Detroit. You should get a job making people nervous. <laughs> so the good news is, I scheduled my uh, my drug test, so I very soon should be really? able to announce uh, where I'll be um, soon, which is good Ooh. because uh, the money ran out a while ago. But but I, it's worth noting. This long and circuitous route uh, did not end up taking the job as a talk show host at the Christian radio station. Passed on that. That's true. Um, that was a real offer. Yes, it was a real offer. I, uh, and then they listened to the podcast, and I think that's when it was gone. <laughs> uh, I am not running for mayor of Detroit. I was contacted and was told, hey, I hear you're running for mayor of Detroit. I laughed, and they said, no, seriously, people are saying that. I am not the same white Mike running for mayor of Detroit. I am the other white meat, and I am not running for mayor of Detroit. Um, I may be doing some investigative reporting for a public radio uh, enterprise, so more on that later. I did not take the job with 9.10 a.m. as yep. their drive-time host, and, um, and I am finalizing uh, some paperwork to consult on a Kwame Kilpatrick broadcast project. So Very exciting. we'll be able to talk about that soon. And I should also tell you, uh, there's been a lot of word on the street that Kwame Kilpatrick is going to get clemency from Donald Trump. I can tell you that uh, the people in Detroit who would have been consulted about that, including his own attorney, know nothing about that. But we have a very non-traditional president 
who doesn't always follow the rules. Yeah. So I don't think we yeah, can rule that out. Today. Oh, did he? Yeah, the yeah, uh, DeBartolo, Eddie DeBartolo, the is that who you were talking about, yes. Darcy? Yeah, the former San Francisco 49ers head coach because, you know, he likes football. Darcy's <laughs> been very patient and I, I really appreciate her coming in because we're going to Oh, he just did another one too. Breaking news. He uh, commuted the sentence for Rob Blagojevich. Rob Blagojevich. You know why? Because no, I he, don't. He Trump does not want to be the politician with the worst hair in America. And so yeah. if Blago's out there, that's going to be that's going to be very very good. I mean, I'm not surprised by anything anymore, but that's kind of that's kind of a surprise, I suppose. Why Rob? He's a Democrat. Wait, well, so you know what? Trump. You know what? Blagojevich was on The Apprentice. Oh, I believe he was uh, a contestant on The Apprentice. I think he was. That is so ludicrous, but whatever. Okay, well, that's just the world we live in now. That's great. The world's a better place because a crooked politician is free. I don't think. Well, maybe he's working his way up to Kilpatrick. That's what so. I'm saying. This might be yeah. the. Uh, well, I think it would be a genius political move because I think he would turn out some votes in Detroit that might make the difference between Michigan going red or blue this time. So, I mean, is it the right move? For reasons I've gone into at great length on this show, I don't think it is. But in terms of politically for the president, I think it would be a genius move. And, and uh, I'm not persuaded that even the staunchest uh, Kilpatrick supports that that's going to be a tipping point enough to really? vote for Trump. But okay. I hear you. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how people felt about that that Super Bowl ad he did because he's really trying to push this narrative that, you know, uh, I might not like you, I might not hire, you, but I, I I would like you to vote for me. I've been a good president for you. Which uh, did you like his Super Bowl ad? Um, I mean, not like, but do you think it was uh, a, a smart effective. move? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Darcy, did you? I yeah, mean, he's going to get all the crazy I, white people. They're all with him. I'm biased, so, so I kind of tuned it out. Okay. Well, I just, I mean, the angle, the whole prison reform, which I think we've right. talked about before, is one of, one of, one good thing he did. Yeah. It's well, one of the a few lot of bipartisan that really issues. under Obama, to be fair about it, and Eric Holder. But I think because he's done so much other damage, it, it, it was offensive to hear him posture about how helpful he's been. So I, huh. I, I couldn't really stomach it. That's so, interesting. So we talked about Kilpatrick and, and, we want to talk about something. I don't know if we're grabbing the third rail here today or not, but I wanted to talk about some of the fallout from the death of Kobe Bryant. And we had talked about making this part of the great debate in previous shows, but we realized that that, that, that subject is just too big to fit into even a medium-sized box. And, and in the interim, Gail King had what I would call close to a perfect interview with Lisa Lesby, Leslie of the... Um, of the WNBA, who was a good friend of Kobe Bryant's. And then Gail King faced tremendous blowback. And so in terms of being a communication specialist, in terms of being a strong black woman, Darcy's right near the top of the list. But, but Darcy also faced some of this when she worked for the Detroit News. Darcy was the first person to really figure out what was going on with Kwame Kilpatrick, or at least to have a sense that there was... There was there was somebody behind the curtain that wasn't the wizard that we were seeing and that there might be more going on. And the mayor put tremendous pressure on Darcy not to tell the truth. And one of the, one of the pressure points he tried to apply to her was, how can you do this to us? And so I, I see a lot of the, the criticism of Gail King and, and, and explicitly in some of the comments from Snoop Dogg saying, you know, how can you do this to our people where we kind of get past the debate about whether it was appropriate to talk about 
uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, past in, in warts and all, and really just the one wart, the rest of it was pretty, pretty glorious. Uh, but we went right to, you know, you shouldn't be saying this, mm-hmm. which to me feels like we're skipping over the issue to try and, and apply pressure to people because of what they look like. And I'm so sick of people trying to control people because of the way they appear, where they come from, what they, what they worship, uh, how they vote. So I wanted to bring this topic up and, and just, uh, just throw it out there. I mean, how do people feel about this? I mean, Snoop says he's sorry. I guess uh, it's all okay now, right? I mean, that's moving on. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, no, I mean, he, what he said was so horrific uh, and, um, you know, I mean, call, almost a call to arms, call to action to go after her. So it was way She was getting the, death threats, right? Yeah, I mean, she was getting so death she threats said. in the whole nine. So. so Oprah said on her behalf. I mean, I looked at just, I just scrolled through Twitter. There were some pretty horrific mm-hmm. posts on there, and, and I, I didn't take it lightly at all. I mean, people were not just mad, but they were threatening and a lot of it was just, you know, to vote her off, uh, take her black card, you know, call her sell out. We don't want to deal with you anymore and all of that stuff. So I have empathy um, as, a, as a when I was a reporter, because I gave scrutiny to African-Americans, there was always some that felt then maybe I was, you know, not black enough or or not doing justice to the cause or something like Hanky that. Hanky head, right? I mean, Hanky that was... Hanky head. Well, Hanky head is actually a term right I got from a good friend of mine. Oh, oh. <laughs> he taught me that. Oh, and we were talking about Clarence Thomas. That was a million years ago. But uh, but still, that is a term of art um, to see, signify like the old stereotypical images with the handkerchief around your head. It's Nan Jemima. Subservient. Subservient. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Uncle Tom. Uh, and, and, Oreo. And it's probably worth mentioning that... When Darcy said she did a lot of st- stories about African Americans, because most of the people in positions of power in Detroit were African Americans, not like she was singling anybody out. I mean, what do we have like one white person on city council at a time? You know, I mean, it's no, it Sheila and Marianne. Oh yeah, I get, well yeah, we're going back now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's so two and nine. But yeah. <laughs> so how much of that did you experience when you were writing about Kwame and you're covering, you're doing your job and being a journalist and reporting on someone? Well, I, I mean, I, I'd say it's a mixed bag. I mean, there's certainly people from the very beginning who didn't like Kilpatrick and thought he would be bad for the city. And so the, it wasn't, there was no monolith uh, right. by any stretch from the very beginning, from the campaign forward. Uh, yeah, a warning to, or notice to all white people, you know, like how we all disagree about stuff. Uh, black people have different <laughs> opinions too. So, you know, <laughs> I, I feel bad that I have to say that, but in enough, I've been in enough newsrooms where bosses are like, oh, wait a minute, those yeah. two black people disagree? Yeah. It's, like, it's like, yes, they're just yeah, like they're us. people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hello? Um, but, you know, they're, to this day, there are still folks. Like, I was surprised recently, I was actually working on someone's campaign. They were a client of mine, and we were having what I thought was a lighthearted conversation about reflecting back on my reporting days and the person we were talking to didn't really know about me. And I said, well, how would you describe me? And he said, the hatchet woman. <laughs> and I was like, wow. wow. I didn't see that coming. I thought he was, I thought part of the reason he wanted to work with me is because he respected my time as a journalist, but he still has some baggage from those days. And so there are certainly people that, you know, to this day feel like uh, I, I didn't treat him, I guess, in a way that gave him enough deference because he was an African-American. But the thing is, he was a mayor and I was covering my beat. And, and, and so. he's the one that did it. That just like with... Well, he, he also never asked for a correction. So, yeah, you know, well, that's, that, that's yeah. really what speaks volumes. 
So let, let's let's set this up a little bit. Uh, Gail King, uh, the lead anchor now on CBS Morning News, sat down with Lisa Leslie and talked about uh, Kobe Bryant's career, his legacy, his accomplishments. And within that interview, she said, is it appropriate? Should we be talking about uh, the rape accusation against Kobe Bryant? And is that is that a topic that, you know, we should be concerned about? And where does that fit in the legacy? And Lisa Leslie basically said, well, he was accused of rape. And, and being uh, a good interviewer and, and a good journalist, Gail King said, well, uh, it was the case was dropped. There was a civil settlement and the accuser wouldn't come forward. And, and Lisa Leslie said, well, you know, you know, whatever, we, we should talk about this while he was alive, which it was talked about when it happened at the time. But, um, but afterwards, and then they got back on track and, and talked about some other things, how much he meant to, uh, to Lisa Leslie and how much he meant to so many people. And then afterwards, Gail King was criticized, uh, in part, because CBS, when they teased the interview, really focused on her asking about the uh, the rape allegation. And Gail King did come out and say, I felt, you know, really set up by my network that they they, they highlighted that because well, that so was only a, just a portion on of that. it. The interview was five and a half minutes long. Yeah, which is a lifetime on TV. And that the portion that dealt with his legacy and the sexual assault was about a minute, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. So I'd say 45 seconds, minute 15. Exactly. So the bulk of the interview really dealt with who he was, everything but that. So, uh, you know, if you want to make the case about balance, it'd be tough to make the case about imbalance if 90% of it is dealing with something else. Right. Um, And then, and it was the only setback in his career. I mean, other than injuries, I mean, you do kind of have to say that. I mean, it sort of humanizes the man to say he he didn't live a you know perfect life, but yeah, no one does. I I mean, this is a pretty horrific attack. Even if you look at how she framed the question, she said it's been said that his legacy is complicated because of sexual assault charges that have been dismissed. She acknowledged they've been dismissed, and is it tough for you? Like, it's still, the question is really asking her personally how she feels about it and his legacy. Very respectful, not confrontational, you know, in context. Right. Do either of you as journalists have any problem with the questions? No, I don't have any problems with the questions. I think there it's uh, fact versus opinion. There's no opinion offered there. Um, She's not cutting her off. She's not animated. She's given her a chance to answer. And again... The biggest issue that people have is, did you get it right, and then were you fair? And so, like I said, it was like 90% of it dealt with the rest of his story. Yeah, and and I think one reason why it did go on for around a minute is because Lisa Leslie responded with something that wasn't accurate, so she needed to set the record straight. So that, Although that's where a lot of people felt like, you know, maybe that, that she went too far. People felt like because Gail distinguished what happened as it related to the court case by saying that it was... It, was dropped because the woman wouldn't testify. Mm. As, but isn't that accurate? I, that's what I said. It's factual, <laughs> so I don't have a problem with her saying that. Now, Gail had a problem with CBS using that clip and putting it out, which I kind of think maybe hurt any kind of support she would have had because she kind of attacked someone else. Do you either of you guys have a problem with CBS using that clip to promote the interview? Well, from a TV perspective, I can tell you that when you're doing a promo, the, the stations and networks want to use the most... Uh, the most uh, poignant moment, the most electric moment. And I guess you could argue that that, that was a pretty uh, yeah. significant moment. But at the same time, I'm, I'm somewhat sympathetic to, to Gail King because I would say 
if you just zero in on that, it, it doesn't it doesn't fairly represent the entire interview. And you're going to hang me out there because because right. I think people who have done this. I mean, and, and I'll let Darcy speak to this, but but you know what's going to happen. You know the first thing. I mean, I know from my stories, the first thing I'm going to be criticized for is the way I look. A white guy doing stories on black people. It's going to be put in sort of a, uh, you know, there he goes again, attacking people. And I think CBS probably should have been a little more mindful of the damage that they might have done or the, the distress they might have caused to Gail King. but oh, I think that was probably the last thing on their mind. I think, I, as you said, they were trying to get the most scintillating Numbers, yeah. thing out there that would drive people to click or, or watch the program. I do think I understand our concern because it's sort of like, I guess in my newspaper days would be the headline or the photo, sure. which is what people are drawn to the most. And it may have nothing to do with the story and it used to drive me insane. So I'm empathetic with Gail. I don't know if there's any conversation though. I mean, we didn't have much conversation about our headlines and photos of the stories. <laughs> no, if you so stayed late, you Gail might see Gail probably him. was blindsided by it. So, but I think she did get a decent amount of support, probably more for, from uh, current and former journalists than anybody else. Well, that's the other interesting thing, Darcy, I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, are you surprised Snoop didn't get, more um, criticism for what he said because I thought it was pretty light, and I don't know if that's because hey, this is Snoop. He's a he's a gangster rapper. You know, he's had a history. This is just how he does it. Or um, well, I, I don't understand. I mean, you know, a lot of people love Snoop Dogg. Yeah, but he was cursing her out. He was, you know, I, I think it's fair to say threatening life. her. You know, I mean, are, are you guys? And, did you guys? Think and he, he was did? very serious. This was not. Well, so there's different schools, right? Mm-hmm. Blowback from uh, all his endorsement branding show deals looks like little to none um from a lot of black women quite a bit and i think that's part of the reason and and black men i think that's part of the reason he walked it back um i mean susan rice <laughs> kind of went a little over i, I, I liked what, what she, did she said say? and then the next thing you know they start doxing who her he kid was, is and was, susan rice is a former ambassador of the united nations yeah she said that he was uh, african-american woman she i think she used the f out of line and said that if you come for her, an army's coming back at you or something. Nice. Like I think she's, wait. She threw a threat back at him. I think she said, Snoop, back the f- off. That's the quote. Yeah. 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 So. That was really her? That wasn't a drop? Well, that was someone reading her tweet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it was someone reading her tweet, but that is what she wrote. She told him to back the f- off. Right. And then she said something about an army come from or something like that, I thought. So. Yes. So, so there definitely was a response, but in terms of uh, his bottom line, no, it doesn't look like it. And, uh, I'm somewhat surprised, but it's always hit or miss. You know, somebody somebody's total income net worth is is uh, imploded through one of these scandals, and the next person has no impact whatsoever. So, so I know um, that when you it, when you've done this for a while, you know that people are going to find something to attack you for that has nothing to do with the subject matter. And and I think the challenge is to do the job without being gun shy. But I wonder if in the in the uh, the counterattacks, the, the the attacks. Let me just say the attacks on on Gail King. How much that has to do with not just you look like me. How can you do this to us? You there's a betrayal issue. But I wonder how much of it has to do with uh, would somebody have done this to say to Ed Bradley or to Lester Holt? I mean, yeah. is there is there a misogynistic aspect of this as well? I mean, as as a woman, would you have expected? to take this kind of uh, attack, and and if you did expect it as a woman, do you think you would have gotten the same kind of attack if you were a man? 
Uh, I don't know. I've always said, I, you know, I feel like I tend to face more as an African-American than I do as a woman. Um, and it's usually hard to, to, to separate, like, but, you know, within that we have our own challenges and, and definitely there's a bigger challenge with rape culture in the mm -hmm. black communities than it is in any other community. I mean, we're still trying to get people to understand that and, uh, and, and figure out how they contribute it, contribute to it and, and to tackle it. Um, well, step back on that okay. for just a minute, because you've done a lot of work with Kim Worthy to raise money to get these rape kits tested in Detroit. I mean, a lot of work, raised a lot of money, brought a lot of justice to the community. But, but what, what is the hang up there with that? Well, I mean, in, in general, people, I, I think, well, first of all, we, the best examples I can give are sort of like Bill Cosby and R. Kelly. There are so many people that to this day still defend and R. Kelly or Bill Cosby. And many of them are black men and black women, frankly. And uh, so that just, to me, speaks to how much further we have to go. You hear these same refrains from people, which are uh, the best pie chart I ever saw is what causes rape. And it had, like, alcohol, the clothes, the time of day, where it happened. And then the bulk the pie chart just said rapist. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear about all this other right. garbage. But there are too many people that are still having that same conversation. Uh, and so that means we, we have a, a lot of work to do. Well, and, and I think this is not anything that's limited to one particular community or yeah. faith. You have Catholics saying, can we stop talking about the priest abuse because we need, it brings down the faith. I mean, I've had, well, and you, you know, the, the, the trial. Why? I mean, I don't know how that their whole message was these women, you know, asked for it, did these things is there was nothing to see here. If you look at the whole approach to the testimony in Harvey's trial, and we'll see what happens. Which is interesting, because Snoop brought that up in his rant. Like, Gail, yeah, why yeah, aren't yeah. you going? And I'm sitting there going, first off, she has interviewed plenty of his survivors, you know, the, the survivors of what he did to him. She would interview Harvey Weinstein and ask tough questions anytime Harvey's up for it. Yeah, and she interviewed, I think, his attorney. She interviewed yes. anybody that they were willing to allow to participate in the interview. It wasn't like she had some, she was tepid about doing that. It was just access. I, I, I think it's interesting. I, I really think Snoop did it because he's friends with Kobe. He didn't go after her when she asked really tough questions to R. Kelly. So, but, it, but it, again, this is different. Even she it, didn't want to piss, he didn't want to piss R. Kelly off. But uh, it, it, it was on. one of those, oh, like, yeah. huge events. We're talking about a goat. We're talking about someone young, dying with his daughter, horrific of way, sudden way, black. I mean, it was just, it was, it was stung for everybody was in kind of disbelief. So it was so close to home, even though they may have never met the guy in their, in their lives. Who's done, he's done far more good, too. I mean, he's done a lot of good things. But, yeah, I mean, it, clearly he may not have, and, and Kobe was a Catholic, he may not have abided by his vows to his wife to, you know, not stray, but, but, Really, a, a model citizen in in many other ways, and someone who was even admired by the people who he tried to beat the hell out of on the basketball court. I mean, he was a take no prisoners type guy. But, he had but why very not? well publicized feuds with Shaq, but in the end, Shaq, you know, admired right. him and respected him and gave him great praise. Darcy, why do you think he didn't attack Gail for the questions on R. Kelly, though? Is there any? Well, you I think the, I think those are two totally different situations. I sure. Mean, uh, Whatever I mean, R. Kelly is. I don't even know what the count is up to now. And yeah, we're talking a serial about, abuser, rapist, uh, pedof pedophile. I mean, kidnapping. Yeah, <laughs> many, many accusers. Emotional abuse. Um, Marrying know. teenagers. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, That's, I mean, yeah. Leah was yeah. what sixteen? Fourteen. 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 So, 
I'm, I, I just I don't think people put R. Kelly and Kobe. Oh in God, a, no! In the same conversation, let alone the same space. So. But to me, I just see it as a journalist asking really tough questions, and he didn't like it because he he knew Kobe. Well, again, I the, all those things that I outlined before, mm-hmm. people. But also, let's not forget historically. It's not like there's been this, uh, you know, fantastic treatment of African Americans when it comes to balance, mm-hmm. hiring, coverage. There's still a challenge with staffing levels. There's still a challenge with balance. So there's already a distrust by a lot of folks, not everybody, but a, a good percentage of folks uh, about the press corps as a whole. So we can't ignore that either. And so that's going to guide you know, how you respond to it, regardless of who's doing the reporting. And the, the, the time that, this, um, that this, this alleged rape happened was 2003. And I like to think we've come some way since 2003, but there's also the issue out there that I think a lot of uh, Kobe's defenders would say is, you know, was he really, uh, was he really a legitimate rape suspect or was this a matter of a black man with a white woman? And so people are immediately going to believe that this must've been forcible. So, I mean, when you really drill down into the issue and I think, you know, you really need to to try and explore this. But, of course, people are like, don't even talk about it in the first place. We don't want to get down to the nitty-gritty. We just don't want to talk wow. about it at all. Right. But but it, it is very difficult when you're a reporter, when you have to talk about somebody's life, no matter how wonderful they are, you have to mention the downsides. Now, I started the Free Press as the obituary writer, where I wrote obituaries for people nobody really knew. So we just pretty much, if they said they won the Medal of Honor, took them at their word. But when they write the obituary for Bill Clinton, no matter what he did for the economy, no matter what he did to elevate people, no matter what he did to try and get some of the bias in the, in the military uh, against homosexuals uh, uh, abated, he's going to be the president who had an affair, yeah. who was impeached, and you cannot tell the story of Bill Clinton without that. Well, Donald I mean, Trump, you cannot tell the story of Donald Trump without... Uh, the bankruptcies, the uh, affairs. Well, okay, sorry, maybe there's a few well, you got to get in there. <laughs> well, for and both, the impeachment. For both of you, both though, um, after Kobe passed, you know, there's the Washington Post uh, reporter, oh, yeah. Sanmez, who, you know, tweeted oh, yeah. out another article that said, hey, look at these details of what happened. And a lot of people, I kind of felt like maybe it was too soon. But at the same, I mean, that, like you just said, that's part of his whole story. So was that appropriate for her to do that? Was, You're talking about the tweet? Yeah, was it too soon? I mean, how how when and how do you handle that aspect of his obituary? So I, I didn't see the tweet. If it was a tweet that covered many, many topics. It was an old story specifically about the sexual assault. Right. Well, I mean, I guess uh, if I'm evaluating two journalists dealing with this subject, I would say Gail King's uh, treatment of the subject is more complete, more balanced uh, and more, well, you're, you're also talking about an interview versus a tweet of an old story. Sure, but if you just tweet one story, you can't tell me that in Kobe Bryant's 41 years on this earth, the one thing that you're going to mention after he dies is this thing. I mean, uh, that and if you want to say one of the greatest basketball players of all time. She and, didn't write the know, story, right? She was just she retweeting yeah. an old story. Yeah. 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 But didn't and, she also say she did it because she felt that survivors were not getting any attention that it was all about how great he was and, and that, that the survivors needed to feel that, okay, you won't be forgotten. Shouldn't have been about him, though, at that moment, him and his daughter and the well, other Well, I guess, that, I mean, that's, that's a question for her to ask herself, you know, frankly. I mean, you, you decide what 
you're comfortable with and uncomfortable with. I guess. Let's at say that somebody point. came to McConnell Communications yeah. and asked, right. you know, <laughs> advise say, absolutely us. Absolutely not. I would probably advise against this right now. There's something to be said for the pause for poise, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, let's let's deal with but, the immediate aftermath, and then we can give the fuller three sixty degree view. A couple points I want to though. When you were talking about Clinton, because when Brooks Patterson died. A lot of people were concerned, like there was glossing over of his history as it relates to race relations and bash. Very incendiary and, comments. And, and, and all of that. And so um, if it's good enough to talk about in Brooks' past, then it's good enough to talk about anybody else's past. And I think that's all we're speaking to. It's not um, trying to be insensitive. It's just trying to be balanced and, and fair. Mm-hmm. And then I just want to, if I could, read Please. what Kobe said in his apology about the sexual assault. Um, because this is part of that whole rape culture thing where people don't get it. So um, he, after he apologized to his family, her family, the community, and he said, I also want to make it clear that I do not question the motives of this young woman. No money has been paid to this woman. She's agreed that this statement will not be used against me in the civil case. Although I truly believe this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did. After months of reviewing Discovery, listening to her attorney, and even her testimony in person, I now understand how she feels that she did not consent to this encounter. And so I I say that to say that, you know, it's not some uh, black and white cut and dry thing when you start talking about sexual assault. And uh, if Kobe even said, okay, you know what, Um, clearly she didn't want this in in her mind's eye, so I I apologize. My other problem with his apology is it was, wasn't that part of the um, settlement? Well, this was made before they had oh, the civil before? case. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. this was before the it civil was. case was okay. actually filed. So, yeah. but clearly there must have been some sort of some some sort of uh, connection there. If if he says she's agreed not to, I mean, there must have been some dialogue between between her representatives and uh, and uh, Kobe Bryant's. But but when I when I look at this this situation, it it feels to me to be. There's there's a couple s- subjects that that really strike home. First of all, you know what's the measure of somebody's life? Uh, do you leave out the bad moments when you talk about the good? I think no, you have to tell the whole story. Second of all, uh, Gail King, who I think in many ways was kind of seen as Oprah's protege, who got put in this position when Charlie Rose flamed out and when uh, the other woman went to ho- host the evening news, showed that she is a pretty top notch. Uh, morning news person. I think a, she's great. I watch her. Very every good day. interviewer and and can stand on her own. And and third of all, my concern about this is there's hard truths out there, and we need to face them. And when we try and ignore issues that we have to talk about, and I mean, just in bringing Darcy in to talk about this. I had no idea she was going to talk about the rape culture. And now we're talking about a subject that we need to talk more about because we talked about this other subject. But when we try and shut people down by saying, uh, you can't say this because of what you look like. You can't say this because of what you believe. You can't say this because you belong to X, Y, or Z. That, to me, is, is a terrible situation. I, I don't see how we get past anything. I don't see how we grow. I don't see we have conversations... It's sort of it's worse than defriending somebody on Facebook, and I, I think the horror. yeah, and I think that we you know we can have conversations about whether it's appropriate to mention right. or whether they spent more time than they should have talking about it, but it can't be you can't say that because of who you are or who you look like, and I really have to believe that if Katie Couric had done that interview, 
she would have gotten pushback, but it wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been the betrayal part of it. You betrayed us. And I think when anybody tries to play your heritage back on you to get you to shut up, man, that's, that's wrong. Well, look, I, I've, I've definitely lobbed my share of Hanky Heads and, <laughs> and Uncle Tom's in the past, so I'm not going to be too much on my high horse. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, I have to look at like, eh, okay, throwing that around a little too loosely. And, uh, you know, it, it's very hard to get in somebody's day-to-day space and head and say, well, you're not black enough, you're not distant enough or that enough. And so the bigger picture is the same parameters apply. Fair, balanced, you know. Uh, did they try to get the information and report it accurately? I mean, that's really what the standard should be. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay a bill real quick, Darcy. I want to come back to you on this before we move on. Uh, see if you have any other last thoughts on. And also, uh, has this whole incident helped us get to a better place, or where do we go from here? What's the what's the uh, what's the next uh, when this happens? Because this is gonna happen again. We're gonna have these situations again. But first, I need to give you a little good news from our friends at Hall Financial. And they have a couple questions for you. Are you paying more than 4% on your mortgage? Do you have lingering high-interest rate credit card debt? You may or may not know that right now, rates are within fractions of a percentage point of their lows over the last decade. A smart idea would be to call the company with over 1,000 five-star reviews that has recently begun averaging 10 days from start to finish on listeners who have applied for a refinance of their mortgage. And that is my friends at Hall Financial. Dan Morrison, Shannon, the whole team over there, they will help you get from your dream to your house. Maybe that dream is just to get rid of some of that high-interest credit card debt. It's a simple process, and it's no secret that saving money is smart. That's in capital letters with two exclamation points, so there's no questioning that. You can get started by calling 248-308-5000 or going to davidhallmortgage.com. A lot of people want to reduce their rate. They want to shorten their term. They want to get cash out. Now is the time. Listen, don't just take my word for it. We get testimonials. I can tell you from my experience, they helped me close some very difficult deals. Go to Hall Financial. See what they can do for you. Hall Financial is ready for your call at davidhallmortgage.com or call 248-308-5000 and make sure to tell them ML sent you. Equal housing letter NMLS1467435. So before we move on, we're, we're going we're gonna to cut the uh, great debate short because I think we've had a pretty good debate, and it's just not that much fun fighting without Sean over here. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I did get a text. He said uh, the swelling has gone down. So oh, thank good. You. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations, Mrs. Windsor. Um, so, so Darcy, we kind of we kind of set the table there for you to give us some deep thoughts to get us out of this. Uh, oh, sorry about that. Nice. I, I was trying to screw the smartest person in the room on this yeah. stuff. So well, today, I, that's you. I, I mean, I wish it, I could say that this, you know, allows all all of us great pause to not react so quickly to try to build deeper and greater understanding, but. That's not mostly what I saw. Like, I very rarely, I hate social media debates, mm-hmm. so I don't really post a lot of controversial stuff. And even when I posted uh, an article that I think that basically talked about, like, stop being mad at Gail, that's really a bad paraphrase, but essentially that, then I got some really nasty picture from a buddy of mine from high school, a, a former elected, you name it. And I put, I posted on there, I don't want to have a social media debate. And a few of those folks just couldn't help themselves. <laughs> and... And there were also females that posted. I mean, they're not trying to have dialogue, and I, th- I fear that's sort of the place that we are in general. So I, I wish 
I could say we were in a better place and we were going to be in a better place. I'm not convinced. Damn, well, on, on that heavy note. Uh, You're welcome. Well, we're going to try and do better. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll set the example. But, uh, but Darcy, thanks very much for coming on. We'll, we'll have you back again. If, thanks if, for having me. Oh, and go blue. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> Man, we're going to edit. No, she loves that nice one in baseball. We're going to edit yes. that out. Beat him again in basketball. You just won back-to-back hockey, hockey games, hockey I know. as well, yeah. yeah. And as you've always told me, you're a badminton school, so I guess you're doing pretty good. <laughs> John Beeline. Moo you. That one really hurt, didn't it? Hey, you know, I was at the hockey game on Friday in East Lansing, and uh, the Michigan cheering section, I will tell you, they are the, the Munn crowd is notorious for being the loudest, the, the nastiest, and I say that with, with respect. They outshouted everybody in Munn, but their one shout when Mel Tucker, the new football coach, came out onto the ice was overrated, and the guy behind me stood up and said, he still won as many Big Ten championships as Jim Harbaugh, which I thought was genius. Good one. Genius. You proud of yourself? Yeah, and exactly. now that I mentioned Jim Harbaugh, that's a natural transition to Geek of the Week. Oh, jeez. Although he's more than a geek. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? I, I'm a sucker for inspiring stories. Uh, my daughters at times have grown their hair out uh, to donate their hair to Locks of Love which collects hair for children who have lost their hair due to illness, some sort of calamity, some sort of tragedy. It's a beautiful program, and often hairdressers, barbers, whoever, your grandpa with the rusty shears, will cut the hair off for free and prepare it for donation. And in the great state of Texas, do not mess with Texas, that's what they tell me, there's an 11-year-old woman, a young girl named Maggie Johnson, who was diagnosed with a rare disease she was known for her fiery red hair, and it caused it to fall out. So what did her 16-year-old brother, Newt, again, we're talking about Texas, so you had to know there's a Newt in there. He decided he was going to grow out his hair, and of course, he was going to donate to Locks of Love. Well, he was growing that salad out to try and get to the 10-inch minimum length, and guess what happened? The school said, uh-uh, brother, we support your sister, but we have a policy that says your hair cannot go past your ear openings, which sounds kind of creepy, or on top of your shirt collar. You must cut your hair. Was it a public school? It is a public school. So they called his mom to come get him. Holy and so she did. Now, this obviously upset some people who saw what the brother was doing as a beautiful tribute to... Uh, his sister, and maybe, maybe a chance to sneak a mullet in there when people weren't looking. And the school district responded by saying, well, hey, listen, if you want to challenge our dress code, there's a, there's a procedure for doing that, and you can do that at the beginning of the year. Yeah, well, a little too late for that. And instead of basically saying, hey, you know what, we understand, we, um, you know, this is a special circumstance, they responded by saying, and this is the superintendent, I am poth proud and I'm sick of the proud and the strong. You know, path proud? Come yeah. on, dude. That's stupid. Everyone's proud. Everyone's strong. If you've been through a real calamity and you've been attacked, then you can be proud and strong. But if you're just some goobers in Texas who have a stupid school district, just, just be path. It's stupid enough to be path. Anyways, I'm off track. I am path proud, not me, these guys, to lead this high-performing district that reflects the morals, beliefs, and goals of the community of path. 
I got to get past the path. I, I could not be proud if I call myself path. Uh, uh, proudly flying flags, arming school staff for student safety, drug testing students, enforcing a conservative dress code, prayer, faith, and family are traits of path. I guess not supporting family if they lose their hair and you want to grow your hair. Anyways, back on track. They are traits of path supporting the actions of the elected school board, administration, and staff. Oh, it's nice for them to make it all about themselves and not about this poor girl. Oh, and they say it was never about not supporting a, a sick child. So, people of Poth, I hope you're proud because you've just won a big award. You are our Geek of the Week. Everybody here is sick. We've all been very, very sick. And so I thought, what we need is a cure. And I thought, let's play the cure. And I really want to play a song that I love by the cure that doesn't get enough attention. It's called Charlotte Sometimes. But I thought, let me save my cure card. I want to play. I want to find something a little deeper, a little a little less uh, 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 accessible. And instead, but I want to keep Charlotte out there because Charlotte, the... Uh, the second most popular podcast in the Red Shovel Network, the Charlotte and Dad podcast. She just turned six. Oh, damn. Birthday party had to be canceled. Oh. Because she is got the flu. And so I get the present back? Uh, it must have gotten lost in the mail because I don't think she received one from you. Well, but you had me come over and clean up after the pony. I thought that was... <laughs> yeah, right. That pony was there uh, for, for the, the party, party that, right? For the party I just said was canceled. Okay, I didn't know if there's some freaky Ann Arbor stuff going on over there. But So we want to get Charlotte, but we she's got a little sister who's also been ill. We do not want her to feel slighted. Yeah, little Annie. So this week, we have Julian Cope with Charlotte Ann. my room, I'm alone in my room, and maybe staying here for just a while. Under my casket, I'm alone in my gloom, and maybe staying here for a while. Oh, can't you see, life is only in your eyes, would I be guilty? Should I lose my 
expression My splendid art I will betray you So if you know Julian Cope, uh, you may remember that we played the Teardrop Explodes a few weeks ago, and that was uh, Julian Cope was the, the front man on that band, which also in, included uh, my man Ian McCullough of uh, Echo and the Bunny Men until Egos and what have you destroyed them. Julian Cope is an interesting dude, memoirist, artist, social commentator, musician. You probably know World Shut Your Mouth, which was his his most uh, popular single, but this one is kind of, kind of subdued. It's kind of a nice little end to a, a uh, long and complicated show, sort of a very sweet little get well message to Charlotte. I was going to say, or if you're and, sick, it might, uh, might help you get some rest. It, it, it's a little it, low energy. It will, it will uh, get you to nighty night. Now this is, this is heavy rotation on your iPod, Darcy. Yeah. I was Big, just listening to this morning. Was it? Okay. So I'm sorry to, to put Julian Cope on you twice in, in one day. And a banana, banana, because I couldn't remember the words, you know. Well, it's, uh, it's pretty easy. It's just, Charlotte, and 
and then he says some other stuff. So anyways, we're always looking for your suggestions for Room 7609. Darcy, you, you approve of Room 7609? Would you, would you be a return guest? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I actually enjoyed the song. So okay. It didn't yeah. put me to sleep. <laughs> no. It was not on my playlist either. <laughs> well, Mar- Mark may... Tomorrow, Maybe I have either. to let it grow on me, I guess. Mar- Mark may have some meds that are playing a role in that. So, uh, so we're going we're gonna to try again next week. We love to hear from you folks. We love to get your suggestions for Room 7609. If there's a subject you'd like us to debate, if you have a geek that you'd like to nominate for Geek of the Week, you can reach us at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. Uh, we've been hearing from a lot of you, and we appreciate it coming in. Christopher says... I don't see an option to make this a recurring donation. Slow down on that. I know. That's on me. That's on me. We want to help you. He also says, more importantly, I'm uncomfortable on how often ML says he's going to check out the mail bag. So (laughs) so, uh, keep the money coming. The comedy, well, you can leave that. Darcy. Hey, Darcy, when are you doing? You're doing some stand-up. Not stand-up. Improv. Improv. Really? You don't want to? No basis, man. Okay, all right. Can I, can, can I shamelessly plug my charity? Yeah, yeah, please, please. So I'm guest bartending this Friday from 5 to 8 p.m. at Thomas McGee's to raise money for the Detroit Fishing Derby where kids learn to become anglers. The Fishing Derby's on June 6th, but this Friday from 5 to 8, I'll be at Thomas McGee's. All tips I collect help put the bluegill in the lake that the kids learn how to fish. And cool. what's the date on that? Because some people may hear this later in the week. June 6th is the actual uh, fishing derby. But the fundraiser. Uh, this Friday, the 21st. The 21st. Thomas McGee's from 5 to 8. Thomas McGee's is an Eastern Market. It's a great whiskey bar. It's They have beer, too. And uh, if you want to eat food, you can order food delivered there. There's free parking. It's a great... I, I hope to be there myself. I actually have tickets to go see St. Motel, so I might not be able to make it unless I get there early. I'll take a check today. But, uh, but yes, I, 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 let me... <laughs> Let me uh, let me get right with this before we're we're done. Uh, Brendan McDonald is glad to see that we're keeping great journalism alive in the D. Keep up the fantastic reporting and delivering justice to those who screw the public. That's from BMAC. Stefan says ML and crew so damn thankful for your insightful views are back. As well, anytime you need a sub for hockey, please let me know. <laughs> Stefan, uh, I know where to find you. You're at the Cadju. And we'll be at the Cadju on March 17th, folks. So mark your Live, count. yeah. We will be live at the Cadju Cafe for St. Patrick's Day. More details to come on that. You can find out about that at the Cadju Cafe's website or at mlsoulofdetroit.com when we're ready to tell you a little bit more. Donald says, glad you are back with a podcast. I just made a PayPal donation to the cause. Well done, Donald. I met you once a few years back on Mackinac Island. I commended you on your Kwame coverage. Now, whenever I think of Mackinac Island, I think of you. Oh, how romantic. A little creepy. Uh, And Donald acknowledges that it is a very odd connection. But uh, Donald, you know what? When I think of Mackinac Island... um, Pink pony. (laughs) I think I want to know where your hands are at all times. But Donald, thank you very much for the donation. Finally, Tom says, ML, huge fan of you and all your work. You do a phenomenal job of investigative journalism with facts sprinkled with humor. You provide a unique perspective and amazing spin on news. With that being said, I'd absolutely love to listen to your podcast, but cannot get past how much Mark F. rooms the vibe and flow of what you can accomplish. <laughs> Sounds about right. I strongly suggested removing him from being on the air because... Because uh, he's more annoying than Sean, which is really... Wow, that's tough. I think this is probably a good time for me to turn (laughs) to my friend Cyrus to get us the hell out of here. Cyrus, please, please save me from myself. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Love is the greatest thing, the oldest yet the latest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Copy, boy.
Listen next week at this same time and every week as M.L. Elric searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. The stories that come out of the shadows to find their way into Nightbeat. Nightbeat.